Welcome to the Lightshine Church Podcast. I'm Rob Douglas, the organizing pastor of Lightshine Church, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our weekly message. Earlier, Rob's out of town, so you're stuck with me, and we are back in the book of Job again this week, continuing our series And I have to say, um, this might be uh, the perfect book to read through at this time, because like Job, all of us are facing uh, a time of of suffering, right? Uh, We're in the midst of this pandemic. And like Job, it has stripped us in a lot of ways from maybe who we thought we were. Um, It has brought up a lot of existential questions about what does the future look like? Uh, But there's also been some hope in this time we see with the protests and that movement both hard but also hopeful and so i want to talk about that i want to talk about finding slivers of hope within suffering and darkness um i think that's something rare in joe but it's in the text that we're dealing with this morning so at the at this point um, in the book of joe as we've already heard he has lost everything and almost everyone in his life except for his wife's a few friends and um those people are now his friends and his wife have demoralized him they're mocking him uh, for complaining about his circumstances and um, he has faced at this point two types of suffering right he's faced the suffering that has happened to him And we also face those sufferings as well, like financial loss, loss of a loved one, struggling, external pains, whatever. But there's also the suffering that is life. And now in this point of the book of Job, he is feeling that suffering, that tension, those questions of what do I believe about God? What do I believe about reality? The the inner struggle, the inner suffering of deconstructing your faith, the anxiety that comes with life, the depression, this is really where Job is at. And this is where he starts to ask questions about his own identity and about God's identity. So Job puts God on trial here, but quickly realizes that God is also the judge and That really wouldn't be a fair fight, right? If you're putting God on trial, but he's also the judge, you're bound to lose. And Job realizes that pretty quick. So not only has Job faced the most uh, atrocious external suffering possible, he is now facing this existential crisis brought on by his wife and friends questioning of who he is, his moral character, the way he's dealing with loss. Um, but somehow, after all this, he's able to find this little sliver of hope. So I want to talk about that this morning. Um, so let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this community that we get to meet this Sunday. I thank you for all the fathers who have revealed a healthy type of masculinity and love and compassion, but also strength. Um, to us and to their kids and have made this world a better place. So we are grateful for good fathers. We're grateful for you, that you are also a good father. So we place our trust in you. May you open our hearts and your minds to your word this morning. Amen. So check out 
this text here. Uh, we are in chapter 14, starting verse 7. So if you have a Bible, you can grab that now. Uh, but see if you can look for the hope in, in this text here. This is what it says. Um, At least there is hope for a tree. If it's cut down, it will sprout again. And its new shoots will not fail. Its roots may grow old in the ground and its stump dies in the soil. Yet at the scent of water, it will bud. I love that. So poetic. And put forth shoots like a plant. But a man dies and is laid low. He breathes his last and is no more. As the water of a lake dries up or a riverbed becomes parched and dry, so he lies down and does not rise till the heavens are no more. People will not awake or be roused from their sleep. If only you could hide me in the grave in Sheol and conceal me till your anger has passed. If only you could set me a time and then remember me. If someone dies, will they live again? All the days of my hard service, I will wait for my renewal to come. You will call and I will answer you. You will long for the creature your hands have made. Okay. So, can you see any hope in this text? Right? This is Job hope. It's not like, it's not in your face hope, right? Like most of this is pretty dark, but I promise, I promise you there's a little bit of hope in there. Um, I resonate, I resonate with Job. It's dark, it's morbid. It's kind of how I'm made. I don't know if it's genetic or past experience, but I, I, I dig Job. But, but he starts by speculating first to whether a person might actually live after he dies, right? We see that here in this text. He observes that when a tree is cut down, Sometimes a new shoot sprouts up from the old stump. Even though a stump may be dormant for a long time, a good soaking in rain often spurs on this new type of growth. Growth shoots up towards the scent of new water. And and this could be the place where I would say, Jesus is the water of life. And so now we grow and sprout up towards him, right? True, but that's not what Job says, right? Job says the complete opposite. Job concludes humans are not like trees, and once they die, they are dead. He has no, they have no root system, and a body simply decays into the ground forever, and it's no more. That's it, finito. Talk about some heavy stuff, right? This isn't light, easy reading. This is dark, dark, dark. What I love about Job is he's so honest about his feelings. He's so true and raw. And he's he's even going against this ancient tradition that the Jewish people held on to. And this tradition was that righteous men and and sages or or righteous people are, are like trees by a river. And that God is like the flowing water that will make them live for eternity, that even when you pass away, new life will sprout up from your wisdom that you've passed down. But Job seems to find this faulty and reveals that humans lack the power of renewal that is inherent in a tree. So you guys ready for some more depressing stuff? Here's the next analogy that Job uses. Job then continues his search for any type of foundation 
By then he, but now he is then comparing death with the waves of water. He says, as the lake dries up and is no more, so is a person who is dead. So at least in these two analogies, he's really set into believing that people do not have life after death. He's just honest about how he feels about humanity. But later on in the text, as we see, something begins to shift and change. And I love that. I love that that Job isn't really trying to formulate reality or, or find a formula on how life works. He's just honest about what he's going through, what he believes. And so something begins to change. And, and this strange hope begins to come out of this pleading that he's had. And he asks God to hide him from God's own wrath against him in a place called Sheol. And as you know, Sheol is where no person can escape. It's the place where all people go, the righteous and the wicked, after they die. And there's no way out. But notice, Job says, I want you, God, to place a marker there so that you will remember me and come back and get me. Which is pretty interesting. And here we are in verse 14. And after all that uh, doubt, he begins to, to doubt his doubts. And he begins to ask questions. And one of the questions that is foundational to this text is, if a man dies, will he then live again? If a man dies, will there be life after death? And then he says, all the days of my service until my renewal, keyword, comes. So Job brings up some strange stuff for us here, right? First, he believes these bad things happen to him is because God is, is somehow angry at him. But we know as the reader, that's not the case, right? God isn't actually angry at Job. Job thinks he is. So he says, hide me from your anger, God, in this place of burial so that it will pass over. But when it's done, set a marker up and come back for me and renew me, Right? And I wonder how many times some of us feel that way, right? Some of us feel like we have screwed up so much that our life, when it goes wrongly, it's because we have done something to offend God and now he's punishing us. That we think we had done something to, quite frankly, piss off God and that's why things are going poorly for us. And this story gives us a really good perspective into that. That's not always the case, right? Job didn't make God mad, but still things went wrongly. This is what Job thinks, and so he asks to be hidden in this place, Sheol, the resting place of the dead, where there is no hope. So it's strange for him to ask for God to remember him with a marker, and then he presupposes that his life will indeed be renewed by God. So Job's concept of God is that he is angry at him for some reason, but in the end, God still yearns for Job's renewal and restoration. I love that. That he can hold those two tensions, that God can be angry sometimes, but also still yearn for him. And the word yearn in Hebrew is a trippy word. It's super trippy. In the Hebrew, it's kasap, and, and, and it means uh, it comes from the same root word for silver. So it has this kind of weird idea behind it that, that he's turning pale like the color of silver, like tarnished silver, from intense longing and desire. That God is, is literally changing colors because he yearns for Job's renewal. 
It reveals Job's view of God that longs with such intensity that he's turning colors for Job. It's this massive desire for Job's life and care. And that one day all his suffering will indeed end and he will return to a life filled with comfort and joy. So Job is able to hold this juxtapositioning of, of God's anger and angry judge, but also desiring loving father. There is no room for vague spirituality when going through circumstances like Job's. Suffering is tough stuff. It changes us forever. And it changes our concept of God. And Job is being honest about his transformation, his ideas of God. Job is wrestling with every concept of God and reality he can to try to find some sort of footing and foundation in a time where everything is really shaky. And anyone, anyone who has lost a loved one or lived through a tragedy or experienced trauma or has truly embraced the existential realities of existence knows what this wrestling looks like. But the hope is, the hope is that in the end, it usually leads to a deeper foundation and true substantial transformation. And not just for the sake of you, but for the sake of others. Because now you have a gift that can be given away. Now you can act as a guide for others. So this text reminds me of people who have chosen um, the harder paths of suffering in life and who have come out with scars and bruises and limps, but much stronger emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. I recently um, just reread the book called Finding Ultra by a professional track elite. Some of you guys might have heard of him. His name's Rich Roll. Um, but this guy's story is insane. Um, decades ago, he was an alcoholic, barely able to keep a job as a lawyer in New York and in Los Angeles. And after years of abusing alcohol and drugs, multiple DUIs, losing job after job, he finally gets sober. However, his suffering wasn't over. And this is mostly self-inflicted suffering. But Rich was able to stay sober for 10 years. But after 10 years of sobriety, he found himself now addicted to eating fast food and chewing Nicorette gum. Hard stuff, I know. But his nightly ritual was this. He would sit down to watch reruns of Law & Order. He would eat junk food and then pop three or four Nicorette gum. And that's what he would do every single night. And one night, he went to go check in on his two stepkids. And as he took himself up the stairs with each deep, hard breath, he finally arrived at the top of the stairs, huffing and puffing for air, barely able to continue going. And as he looked up after catching his breath, he saw one of his sons laying in bed, sleeping soundly. And all of a sudden, he had some sort of weird, intense spiritual experience where for the first time, he realized that the lifestyle that he was living is killing him. And so he began to cry. And he knew in that moment, something needed to change. He knew that if he continued to live this way, he wouldn't be around for his kids and for his family that he loved so much. Something had to change. In other words, his suffering brought on uh, him, led to this glimpse of a renewed life, like Job has experienced. So the next morning, uh, Rich set out on a new journey 
to transform his life. And he began to eat a plant-based diet. He started running and swimming and biking and eventually signed up for what's called an Ultraman. If you don't know what an Ultraman is, I didn't either, uh, but you probably have heard of an Ironman race. And an Ultraman is an Ironman, but like three times the distance. An Ultraman is a three-day, 320-mile triathlon. It's 6.2-mile open ocean swim, a 90-mile cross-country bike ride with 6,000 feet in elevation, followed by the next day, a 171.4-mile bike ride with 4,000 feet in elevation. And then finally, on the third day, you end it with a double marathon. Can you imagine doing that? I try to run five miles every other day, and I'm, it's been like months, and I still struggle so much. This thing would kick my butt. But guess how old Rich was when he decided to compete in this race? 41 years old. 41 years old when he decided to completely transform his life. And with only six months of training, with no physical exercise for the last decade, he completes this endurance challenge. And guess what place he gets? His first time he got sixth place. That's insane. And then the next year, his second year, he signs up again and he shatters the record and gets first place. It's an insane story. But this story, I love it because this is the hope of suffering, right? Unlike Job, a lot of Rich's suffering was chosen by him or maybe it was genetic because alcoholism is complex and it's deep and um I know from experience from that, but alcoholism is this type of deep suffering. But if you're willing to change, the hope is, is that you can be completely renewed. In AA, in Alcoholics Anonymous, they say it all starts with this process of surrendering to a higher power. And that could be anything. It doesn't have to be God. It could be anything bigger than you, right? And they also ask that you would stop blaming external issues on your failures and give up on trying to figure it all out on your own. So step one in AA is this. It's to give up and to surrender. And step two of AA is to come and believe that a higher power greater than yourself will come to renew you, to restore you. And this is something both Job and Rich understand in their core of their being. Even in their darkest moments, somehow there's this sliver of hope. I, 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 I've always been fascinated about that. That even when things are really hard, deep down there's this like sometimes, sometimes you can't see it, but sometimes there's this buzz of hope that just keeps you going a little bit. They say when you think you're done in a triathlon race or really anything in life, you really have only given 40%. Right. But these guys and so many people have experienced this and they have faith that there is this glimmer of hope somewhere deep down because there is a God who can be trusted. And then check out what Job says later on in chapter 19. He says this in verse 22. Oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in rock forever. I know that my redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth 
And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, and I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. So I was so fascinated. I've always been fascinated at this idea because when I, that, that, that there's this, this heartbeat of hope in all of humanity, mostly and most of the time. Sometimes it's not there. Depression is real. I get that. But as a young kid, when things got dark and hard and when my mom uh, was in a deep alcoholic state, underneath the fear and the uncertainty and the depression, there was always just this little sliver of hope in me that kept me going forward. And this is the hope that Job, Job has found. The hope that Rich has. The hope that millions of recovering alcoholics and drug addicts have. The faith that even in our deepest suffering, there's hope for change because there is a God who is in the business of renewing life. And here Job does not paint a picture of a God that could be figured out. God is not a formula to be figured out, although he welcomes the wrestling in the end faith, that thing that can be different in times of suffering seems to be the X factor that leads to real substantial change and transformation. You see a saint can be going through what's called the dark night of the soul, right? And feel totally dried up inside while in fact, God is perfecting him like an artist perfects a masterpiece. And for Job and for us, God is not a problem to be solved. Suffering is not a problem to be solved or figured out. It is all one great mystery to be embraced and trusted. Because after all, we are God's objects, not he ours. God is wild God is powerful, but he's also loving all in one. And in the book of Job, Job is about solving the problem. A lot of people think Job is about solving the problem of evil. But Job's answer to that problem is that we don't know the answer. But we are called to trust and to give up to the mystery of God and life. So I guess what I'm trying to say is life is a big mystery and God is both at the same time powerful, but good. And we are called to a life of wrestling. Yes, but also surrender. It's this weird, beautiful, messy dance. So I want to leave you with these questions to reflect on this week. Or maybe afterwards, you can even type your, your answers into the discussion um, boxes. But I wonder how many of us have felt that before. Have you felt hope and suffering? And what was that like for you? Have you ever experienced hope and suffering? And where did maybe submitting to that process or, or trusting in that hope bring you? Did it, did it lead you to a better, more transformed you? Or did it not? Or maybe for some of us, did we need to let go or do we need to let go right now in something that we're going through to surrender it over to the mystery that is God in life, who is both powerful and good 
and who can be trusted. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much again for this community. I thank you that we get to spend time wrestling and dancing with you here in this format over Zoom. I pray that you will be with us today and that we know we can trust that you are with us, especially those who are suffering from whether it's something happening to them or maybe something deeper within. God, we trust you in the process. And for those who need to surrender that process over, give us the strength to do so. Not with our understanding, but yours. May you bless us with the gift of faith and trust in times of trial and when times are good. So again, we thank you for this time that we get to hang out together. And um, we love you very much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.